All right, welcome back. I am one of your hosts, Cody. Hi, Cody. I'm Kathy. Our, my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back. We're into episode 57 of the Weight Endurance Podcast, and we are coming up on testing week for a lot of our base builder athletes, probably you. you what? If you want. You don't really have to. Um, I know think, a lot of people... I'll think about it. A lot of people have hesitation about testing day. Are you going to test next week? I am not because I kind of know where I am. Okay. And I'm, Actually, I, I will after the, the next training block when we start training by power. Okay. Like specifically like it's the shorter intervals and we'll get into that in our discussion here. But <clears throat> as for now, our next training block, we're still sort of heart rate focused with the aerobic threshold that you and I are doing. Um, but our base builder athletes and our junior athletes and we Devo, we development team are switching to the high intensity aerobic training so the shorter more shorter intervals that are focused more on power um, up to this point they've been focused mostly on heart rate and just kind of keeping an eye on power um, and we'll talk a little bit about that in the show but so no i'm not testing and you probably don't need to the last time i tested was um <clears throat> october 30th so it's been almost three months yeah so changes have definitely occurred but will <clears throat> pardon me will we use the data from the tests in your next training block not so much okay um, i mean we have a pretty good idea of where your like ftp is in terms of calculating your tss scores your training stress scores and everything so i would like to redo or test again the the aerobic threshold test because sure. we just well i'm just finishing up tomorrow a three-week serious block of training down here and I'm hoping to see some improvement in the aerobic endurance side of my fitness. Yeah, and you can do that test, and we'll talk about that in the show, about kind of any time yeah. you want, really. In fact, the intervals themselves in the next block essentially are the test. Right, so, right, right. Um, I'll anyway, definitely need a few days feel, rest, though, because yes, I'm for sure. completely pooped. Yeah, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves in the convo here. But yeah, we've been training really hard. Actually, by the time our listeners hear this, we will have already been through a recovery week and on to this next training block that we're talking about because um, we're a couple weeks behind on posting the podcast. But um, yeah, in the moment, we're both really tired. We have one more day to go and <laughs> right. our three-week, like, big, you know, early base build of January. And Yeah, I can't remember the last time I did a three-week block because I wasn't sure my recovering IT band injury could handle it. Yeah. So I'm... I've really pushed my limits this block, and it's been incredible. My body's handled it and adapted it well, has. but I'm definitely teetering on the edge of like losing it because I've been like emotional today and right. weepy and grumpy. And that's the classic sign of when <laughs> like, you're I'm, hitting the ceiling. I'm hitting the ceiling. <laughs> so we got to be careful. We don't want you to get sick, but <clears throat> we have one more workout to go tomorrow. It's not overly long or difficult yeah. so I think we can both I think I can do one more wrap it up but yeah I mean not to get talk too much about ourselves again but um I, I would venture to say these last three weeks for you might be your biggest three weeks ever possibly like three weeks together it might be true we did three weeks up in the Pacific Northwest in the summer I don't but think you wrote as much I did not write as much yeah. because I just wasn't there fitness wise I wasn't sure how my knee was gonna re um just handle it, and I had my mount, my road bike and not my mountain bike, and I just wasn't as comfortable on that bike, mm -hmm. and so I kind of backed off some of the hours, 
but I've solely ridden my mountain bike down here, even if it was on the road and just felt really good. So I just kept riding, riding, riding. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a testament to the strength training you've been doing, the PT exercises, Mm -hmm. keeping your body healthy. Yep. Yeah. I'm just really grateful for the physical therapist who helped me. And then I'm very devoted to like two, often three days a week of my own strength routine with a lot of PT type exercises. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Um, yeah, well, I mean, other than training, um, we've been working on, well, a couple training plans coming down the pipe. Um, one is a reminder, um, that as of this recording, we're 30 weeks out from Leadville 100, 2021. And I do have my popular, if I say so myself, (laughs) um, 30 week Leadville specific training program. It's very good. It is. It's helped hundreds of athletes, I think, at this point over the last three or four years um, to really, you know, high-level finishes. Um, so that starts soon. So if, if you are training for Leadville this year um, or, you know, something similar to Leadville, you know, like a 7- to 12-hour-long endurance race with a lot of climbing, that plan could work really well for you. Um, ideally, you have 30 weeks. Again, you'll be listening to the show. We'll probably at this point be 28 weeks maybe, but you could still jump into it if it's something you're interested in. Um, but along similar lines, I'm working on a new plan, been working on a new plan um, for Leadville that's going to use a lot of our kind of newer base builder programming, stuff that we're using this year in our base builder and things that I kind of like figured out last summer that worked really well. And I think it will work really well for Leadville. And it's basically what I'm doing for Leadville this year. And it's a 25 week plan. Um, and I'm going to have it ready kind of in a quote unquote beta format. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, with a, you know, when we get close to about 25 weeks out from, from the event date and I'll be looking for people that would be interested and willing to try my, sort of latest and greatest plan before it's actually like published on training peaks and that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's really cool. It's what I'm doing. Um, and some of our, uh, we Devo athletes are going to be doing Leadville hopefully this year, a couple of them are U23 riders. Um, and they're doing something very similar, a base builder athlete. So if that is something you as a listener might be interested, send me an email and we can talk about it. Cause I would be wanting to, get a lot of feedback from the writers as they're following it and then helping me like make the plan even better to polish it up for 2022 Leadville. So um, anyway, we got that. And then we've also been, we're so, so close. In fact, maybe by the time people are listening to this, our um, at-home strength training program on the Train Heroic app, which our base builder athletes, again, have been sort of the guinea pigs testing out and they've all been loving it from yeah, what I've yeah, heard. Yeah, they absolutely love it. Um, it is or will be now available on Train Heroic for purchase. Right, um, just to download and start whenever works for you. And you, when you purchase it, you have access to the 24-week plan for a year. So you could probably get through it this year if you started more or less now and then maybe again next fall or, yeah. you know, I mean, you could do it twice for sure. Yeah. Because it, it's just a just progressive it, yeah. plan, and there's a lot of variation, a lot of different movements. It's pretty fun to yeah, go through. Yeah, getting a lot of positive feedback. And Train Heroic, for those that aren't familiar, is kind of a... It's actually developed by the same people who developed Training Peaks. Um, but it's a strength training-specific app 
Um, I mean, it's really geared towards like the CrossFit and like the heavy duty weightlifter type people, I think is their main marketing, but um, it works great for the stuff we do too. And the workouts are loaded on there and it it's an app on your phone that you start when you do the workout and it has all the exercises, sets, reps, everything in there with like little videos attached all on your phone. And you go through and you can enter in the weights you're lifting and the movements you're doing. It tallies those up, um, keeps track of the time, and just kind of guides you through every single training session and tracks it and logs it. Um, yeah, it's engaging for yeah. sure. It's like rewarding to click the little green button that you did it. Right. And yeah, tally, like like you said, it tallies up how many reps and how many pounds you lifted yeah, by the end. And, and I'm not lifting anything heavy right now. I use like a... A 20-pound kettlebell and sometimes a 35-pound kettlebell for different movements and maybe some dumbbells. And at the end, when it says I've lifted 4,246 pounds, Makes I'm like, oh, good. my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting swole. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, the the principle of, um, well, what is that principle? Where things just add up as you go. So. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, very good. So yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm glad we figured out this like marketplace um, aspect of Train Heroics so that people who didn't get signed up in time for our kind of live base builder program can now have access to the strength program Yeah. at their convenience when they can start it. Right. I think this is going to be good. And we're, we'll, once we get this going and have basically have the marketplace app on Train Heroic figured out. Then we can create more plans, and we'll be utilizing those in like next year's training plans for 2022 and right, right. Um, that sort of thing. So, just more technology to make it more engaging and um, make things kind of work even better. Um, and then one last little update: as people listen to this, we'll be getting pretty close to February. We're working on a um, fundraiser for our redevelopment nonprofit junior and U23 cycling team, um, and we have, we're going about like a new concept this year and we as of right now we don't have exactly dialed in but it's basically how would you describe it it's like a I, I well I picture sort of a bingo board but yeah. you just picture like numbers on the board and and basically we'll have like probably numbers from 1 to 150 or 1 to 200 we haven't decided that yet mm-hmm. and you just like basically pick a number and that's the dollar amount right. you donate. So you pick 50 and you donate $50. Right. Or you pick two and you donate $2. Right. And yeah. literally it will all add up. If some, if we could have 100 people, I'll do that and someone's giving $3 because that's what they can afford and someone's giving $85 because that's what they can afford. It all adds up to a lot of money that will go into the account for the We Development program and help aid their training and our, their race travel, fees and the right. travel fees and all the, all the, the things that go into this expensive sport we love. Yeah, so fingers crossed racing happens. I think it will at some point in the year, when, we don't know, but um, the travel definitely adds up and that would be a big help to get these young riders to, to more races, bigger races, um, get more exposure that way. So look for more information on our socials, uh, like Instagram and Facebook about that information. We'll talk about it again in upcoming podcasts and um, put links of when it's ready of how you can jump in there and donate a few bucks. And like you said, it all adds up. Um, very good. So I think that's Yeah, it. we had a lot of announcements just now. Yeah, I guess didn't so. didn't even know that. I know. Um, so <laughs> yeah. It kind of perked me up a little bit, though. Good, All right, good. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about testing. Um, not only testing, we'll talk specifically about our testing format, because it is a little bit different than most testing um, protocols out there. And we've talked about this before. I think episode 12 is one of our most highly listened to episodes where we talked about our testing protocol, so we're going to kind of run through that again. Hopefully, if you've listened to that already, 
Um, maybe we'll say it slightly different or you'll just pick up some extra piece of information and um, understand things maybe just that little bit better. Um, if you're totally new to it, buckle up um, because it's a discussion and maybe confusing. We'll try our best not to over... Complicated. Complicated, exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of dig into that. We'll talk about our training zones as well because with all our training plans and if you're coached by us or one of our athletes, you get um, this spreadsheet that you take your test results and you plug it in and it calculates all of your like heart rate-based training zones, power-based training zones, a fatigue rate that estimates your FTP number that everyone's so obsessed about um, and all of that so you can track what you're up to. And then we'll talk about like what are the training like what are you trying to draw from the test results? Like you got these results. Now what how do you break them down? How do you know if your training's working or not working? Talk about that. And then we'll wrap it up with some examples um, of commonly asked questions and confusions uh, about the testing and like numbers going up and down and things like and that. And all around. So, and all around. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. So Let's, yeah, where do you we want start? to start? Do you want to start with just how we test? Or yeah. do you want to compare it to what other people do? Yeah, let's talk about like our test is a little different. Okay. I said that already. Um, we, rather than focus solely on FTP, functional threshold power, or in theory that hour-long power measurement, and testing that by any number of time trial or um, ramp style tests that are very common, um, the most common is probably the 20-minute time trial. We're all out for 20 minutes. All out for 20 minutes, and then you subtract 5% of that average power. So let's say you hit 300 watts for 20 minutes. You'd subtract um, 15 watts would be 5%. So in theory, your FTP is 285 watts. Well, first of all, I have a real beef with the 5%. That, yeah, that seems... Um, wow. Yeah. Like. <laughs> well, when that formula was created or that protocol was created, it was created for very high-level athletes with... Uh, very developed okay. aerobic systems, so like Tour de France riders. Um, this was developed by Dr. Andy Coggin. Um, somehow Hunter Allen was also involved mm -hmm. in there and some others. But it, basically it was developed for very proficient riders. I think, and from my experience of doing it myself and working with hundreds of athletes over the years, doing something similar just for fun, um, it really gets closer to like 8 to 10%. Yeah, that was going to be my gut, and I haven't delved into the numbers, but it's hard to believe that the average, even serious writer is fit enough to only drop 5% if you go from 20 minutes right. out to an hour. Exactly. And this kind of ties into the fatigue rate conversation that we'll come up with or talk about here soon. Our testing protocol determines this percentage of that's called a fatigue rate in which your power is declining over certain durations. And basically a 5% fatigue rate is rather low, meaning you're very aerobically developed and you have great endurance and you can hold high power for long durations. But most athletes aren't necessarily that good or that developed. Um, so it doesn't really work out. So you know, it's like kind of assigning, like, you're just going to take 5% off of this number that assigns everyone out there that does this test, this pretty highly developed aerobic fatigue rate mm -hmm. that's coming off. Well, most amateur cyclists can go really hard for short durations. You know, their, you know, anaerobic power might be rather high. 
relative to their sustainable power because they simply just don't have enough miles in their legs. They maybe don't ride enough or do enough long efforts or whatever. And most are geared more towards um, shorter events, shorter durations, and shorter efforts. So in, the more you are skewed that direction, the more of the like sprinter or anaerobic power rider that you are, the greater that percentage of the 20-minute power you need right. to Right. Well, it's reduce very it. logical. I, this, is, this is the scenario that just came to my mind as you were describing this. Our daughters all ran track at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Picture their junior high track meets. Right. Um, what were like 75% of the kids signed up for? The 100-meter dash or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, the number of heats that we had to sit yeah. through of the 100-meter sprint. Right. Because that's what everyone signed up for. Like, it's, it's doable. Fast. It's fast. It's, it's over. It's yeah, fast. It's, it's fun. easy in the sense that it's over quickly. Easy, right. Yeah. <laughs> easy in air quotes. Right. And very few junior hires, even high schoolers, would sign up for the 800 or the mile. Right. Because it's harder. It's harder uh, to, yeah. to stay in that to sustain that power for longer. Oh, yeah, and it takes a long time to develop that, too. That's a whole, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's one sort of yeah. side. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole of this FTP testing and the 20-minute test, but that's one No, it's good background because it actually, it. I'm not sure I've ever heard that story before about like um, the like how the test, the original test was developed, and it makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, if like um, the top Tour de France writers are doing that test, they that's doable to just take five percent off it just makes sense logically right right but i like that you kind of came up with this other method for the general population right right and to be clear i didn't come up with this i don't want to take the (laughs) the credit this is something i learned this whole concept of um finding taking two data points short duration Mm -hmm. data points um and figuring out a fatigue rate and kind of extrapolating data from there um, actually came from a triathlon coach many years back when I was at a USA triathlon level two coaching clinic. Um, and he was using it for running, mm-hmm. but it could, it's very easily adaptable actually to swimming and cycling. Um, and for cycling, you could do it with speed, although no one really does that. But um, although like track riders in a very controlled environment on a track on a velodrome could figure out speed and do it that way, or you can do power, um, which is more applicable to most of our listeners here. Um, and we'll talk about how all that works. Um, so instead of this, whatever version of like FTP test, we decide to take a couple different data points. Um, and there's another test out there gaining popularity that is actually somewhat similar to, to ours and one that I am really intrigued by. And I think it's, um, a a good option, certainly way better than the standard 20 minute minus 5% option. And it's called the Ford DP, I believe. And it was created um, by some coaches in Boulder, Neil Henderson, um, who we've met before. Mm -hmm. Remember Neil? Yeah, we had dinner with him. Um, Super smart guy, laboratory minded, you know, scientific kind of guy, you know, came up with this idea that, hey, you know, there's more than just this 20 minute power that makes a rider. So he figured out his test includes... Um, and this is all in the, so Wahoo Fitness, who does the Wahoo Kickers and stuff, bought out his method, and that's now part of their umbrella of stuff um, that, that Wahoo Fitness offers, the Sufferfest videos and training system. Mm. And I don't know a ton about it, but it looks pretty pretty thorough and pretty good. And this is the test they use. What I like about theirs is um, 
they're collecting a lot of data points. The one tricky part is it the test itself is a real mother. It's brutal because <laughs> okay, I now remember which one you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So this test involves, and I, I'm sure I won't get it perfect, but basically within a, an hour's worth of riding on the trainer, brace yourself. Yeah. You warm up and then you do, I think it's two, but it might be three, like all out sprints. Cause you're looking for like your peak power, like 10 second sprints, five seconds, whatever sprints. it takes to hit like the highest number okay. you can hit. Right. Um, so I think you go super hard and then you probably pedal easy for three or four minutes, go super hard again. Okay. I think it's two. Um, so you find out the peak power. I love that because you're kind of seeing like the starting point. Um, then you recover a little bit and then you do, I'm trying to remember the, the right, but you figure out the, I think it's the max aerobic power. And in this case, it's the five minute test. So you go really hard for five minutes, similar to our four minutes. And we'll talk about that. Um, but it's a max aerobic power. So basically like your VO2, top end of your VO2 power range. And then you recover pretty short. I think it's only like three minutes or something. Oof. You go right into a 20-minute max time no. trial. Right. So then you actually are getting the FTP number. But what's interesting about theirs is you don't take any reduction or deduction of percentage off. It's just whatever that average is because they figured out – that after doing those sprints and that five-minute test... With only a three-minute break? You're already fatigued enough oh, yeah. that you don't have to take any percent off. So you do go 20 minutes all out, and that's your quote-unquote FTP. Um, and then you recover what? five There's minutes more? or something. Yeah. And then you go all out for one minute to find your anaerobic power. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... No, I don't, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, that one... I, I don't know if I could wrap my head around that one either. Um, Didn't we have like a kid on the team do it? I feel like... It's possible. I feel like we heard about it because one of the kids Maybe in the... Toby or something. I don't it, no, It's I, brutal anyway. regardless. The problem with that test, I think it's a great concept for sure, is that it's so daunting. Like you're going to do that like once a year, maybe twice. And that, like that, you know what I mean? No, I mean, I'm thinking like I'd have to like break out of Red Bull and I never even drank one and I'd have to have like a pep talk. Yeah. Like, come on, people. It, that, I mean, it's brutal. Um, and they do have like a slimmed down version and I don't remember. They took a couple things out and made it a little more like doable on a more regular basis. But um, that's crazy. But what I like about it is they're taking all these data Yeah, points that part's cool. Similar to our plant, you know, our testing protocol. And we've been doing this for... Gosh, with our triathletes many years back, we would have them do this in the pool, and we'd have them do it in on the track. Mm -hmm. Remember back yeah, at I All remember. Pro, and then um, and then also on the bike, the same protocol that we'll talk but about. But I can see your strategy here. Like you just told the audience about this horrible test with Wahoo or <laughs> right. Silverfest, and now you're going to tell them ours, and it's going to sound pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So our test, the way we do it, <laughs> <laughs> sales pitch is it's very doable. Um, there's two parts to it. There's the aerobic part. So I honestly don't really care that much about FTP. I think it's sort of a worthless, or not worthless, but it's not a, a nearly as important. In well, maybe the word you're looking for is it's um, distracting because people get so fixated on it. They do. That it can just like um, derail their training a little bit. It can. And it's like one number that's depicting how hard you can go for one hour. And if you stop and think about it, like, you know, other than when, a time trial, yeah, when, when do you, you go as hard as you can steady for one hour? Not in mountain biking, not in road racing, not in gravel riding, not, I mean, maybe a gravel ride that's fairly flat or like a, 
But even then, like, rarely if ever are you actually, other than a time trial, mm-hmm. spending, like, hitting that FTP number for around the FTP duration. You know, it's not that common. You know, w- w- when do races, like, if we're talking about racing, when does the move or like when does the race happen within the race it's usually when we're more around that vo2 that four or five minute power range um when you're going like really hard like you're on on the rivet you're well above ftp like you're making the break or you're trying to stay away from someone you see coming right or repeated anaerobic power or the sprint at the finish you know it's like these shorter duration efforts that really in my opinion matter more in most racing scenarios um from a criterium to the Leadville 100, um, I think that those shorter, high-intensity efforts are, are really what makes or breaks your race and sets you up from the starting point of which like your fitness develops from. And then, especially if you're looking at longer events, which most people are, you know, when I say longer event, we're talking like hour or longer, so that's most cycling events. Um, that aerobic component to delay slowing down, to delay losing power is so critical. Much more critical, in my opinion, than, than your hour FTP number. Right. Um, now, I will say FTP is, is important, and we do f- figure it out through our testing. We do calculate it because it's what is used to figure out training stress score, and it's like what everything, all your metrics are essentially based around sort of unfortunately, I guess, but it just is what it is. So our test does identify a quote-unquote FTP number that can be used um, in that manner. Just don't get fixated on it. Like your ego should not be wrapped up in this FTP number. Right, exactly. Um, And there's many reasons, and we won't dig into that for this episode, but you're absolutely right. Pardon me. All right, so... Tea break. I'm not sure what happened to your throat. All right. So let's get into it. How, what is our test? How do we do the test? So our test has three test intervals in it. And by the way, you can do um, do these like independently. They don't have to be all in one training session. They often are. Um, but the 20-minute aerobic test can be done really any time, um, as we alluded to at the very beginning of the show. To just get an idea of where your aerobic fitness is because it's not a hard test. Then our one minute and four minute tests, which is identifying our max aerobic power, or the top end of our VO2 with the four minute one, and our one minute anaerobic power test, um, need to be done together because we use those two power data points to figure out that fatigue rate that we talked about. Right. Okay? You don't want to do the four minute tests like on a Tuesday and a, the one minute test on a Wednesday. I mean, in theory you could, but it's better to always do them together with about 10 minutes in between. Um, So how do we do the test? Um, We always, so first and foremost, testing and really with whatever kind of test you're doing should always be done in as similar a fashion as possible from test to test to keep variables as similar as possible. So you can do these indoors on a trainer or outside. There's arguments for both. In general, most people see a little higher numbers outside because you can kind of get more body English. Your motivation's usually a little higher outside. You can kind of muscle a little bit more. But I would argue doing it on the trainer is probably the most consistent of all of them. It's true. Um, like you might you might um, have a temperature issue outside one day or right. 
a traffic situation or road conditions. Yeah, wind can wind, kind of screw yeah. you up. Even though like power is power, watts are watts, but like wind can really kind of mess with you. Right, and, for sure it can. Um, or just an thing. undulation in the road that yeah. came out of nowhere when you thought you had enough stretch of road to complete the time. Right, right. So figuring out if you are going to do it outside, because I often do, find a place you know that's like as consistent as consistency Like you're can pretty be. familiar with that road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have any doubt or hesitation, do it inside. And for those that live in areas that don't have a 20-minute stretch of uninterrupted road, preferably up a, like a low-grade hill, um, you're probably better off doing it indoors. And same with the one-minute and four-minute. Those, If I do those outside, I prefer a somewhat steep hill. Not ridiculously steep, but let's say 5 to 7%. Um, if you don't have that where you live, then I would highly recommend you do it indoors uh, because you can set your trainer in slope mode, set it to a grade similar to that, 5 to 7 8%, um, so you have enough resistance to, to get after it. Um, so the test, 20-minute aerobic test. So what this means is we put a heart rate target and very narrow range and limit to of 80% of your max heart rate. We've talked about this before a few episodes ago, but our aerobic threshold training, which is where we want to be between 75 and 80% of max heart rate. This is the 80% that you want to be at, like right at that top of that aerobic threshold. Effort, and then you just want to record the average power. And that's why what you said, like if you're doing this outside and it's undulating or, or windy, you know, that can kind of like screw with you a little bit and and not get you the the you know, every single watt out of it. Where if you do it indoors, you can have it like so steady and consistent. Um, I highly recommend indoors. Although funny enough, I do it outdoors quite often. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, so 80% of max heart rate, plus or minus a couple beats. Take a minute or two to get your heart rate up to that 80% range. Before you lap it. Um, Or or even at the start of the interval is fine. Over the 20 minutes. Um, you know, so using my numbers because they're fresh in my mind, you know, 148 beats per minute is what I target. So it might take me a minute or so to get it up there. You don't want to sprint out of the gate. You just kind of wind it up, get it up there. And then I'll let myself fluctuate between 146 and 150, basically, you know, two beats either side of 148. Um, and the average should basically be 147 or maybe 148 beats per minute. And then I just lap my computer screen and capture the average watts for that effort. And that's the, the data point. Okay, then we take about a five, six minute break or just easy spin. Um, maybe take a gel um, if it's been a while since you've last eaten something and then get ready to go hard. So the second part of the test is the anaerobic part. Um, testing our max aerobic power, which is, again, the top of our VO2 max range. And that's a four-minute test. So this one, there's no heart rate restrictions. You just go as hard as you can for four minutes to get the highest average power for the four minutes. This does take some pacing. It does take some experience to get the pacing. So if you're fairly new to this, it's easy to go super hard and with a minute to go fizzle, blow up. Or conversely, you can start out way too conservatively because you're just afraid and True. hesitant and then you know maybe you're at 200 watts for the first 
two minutes and then the last two minutes you're at 400 well you didn't really pace that so great right so the pacing takes some practice (laughs) absolutely um but you're basically you're looking for your highest average power for the four minutes and you should be very tired Mm -hmm. like keeling over your handlebars when you're done kind of thing um and you'll likely see your max heart rate so if you don't know what your max heart rate is or recently or whatever you'll likely see it or come very close to it at the end of that um and then take about a 10 minute break Uh, we used to do in the gym at session six our trainer studio we would only do like seven minutes because we were trying to get this all done within an hour yeah i think i fought for eight yeah i fought for eight (laughs) i think more is probably better like 10 maybe even 12 it's sort of personal preference. The thing would be just to sort of keep it consistent with however you do it. Um, and honestly, if you did 10 one, one test and two months later you did 12 the next test, I don't think it would make that big of a, a difference. But um, probably a little more rest recovery than you think you need, and you'll have a better one-minute test. And then that's the last test is one minute all out. And this is your anaerobic power. So this is everything you got for one minute average power. Still requires some pacing, not quite as much, but definitely still some pacing. You may get close again or hit your uh, max heart rate. The tricky part about this one, if you're outdoors, is knowing when the minute's done, when you're like grunting and pulling on the handlebars Mm. and wanting to close your eyes a little bit. Okay. But you can't do that if you're outdoors. Yeah. And keep an eye on on the head unit. So make sure your timer's big on your head unit. Yes, yeah. make sure the timer's very big and just kind of be careful. Like okay. Pick a road that doesn't have a lot of traffic. Or mailboxes to run <laughs> right. into. <or> something. <laughs> um, yeah, and doing it up a steepish hill is a good way to do it. Consistent. As long as the grade's consistent, it should be good. And if you're doing this indoors, you definitely do this in slope mode. It's not like an erg mode kind of thing. None of these tests are. And make sure you have enough gearing on your bike because mm-hmm. we have run into issues with that with people using mountain bikes on their right. kickers and not having enough resistance for the, the one minute in particular because you're going hard. You're putting out lots of watts. And sometimes you can outrun, if your gear isn't big enough, outrun the flywheel basically. Um, or I don't know if that's right, but that's basically like you can't get enough. Right traction to and you're doing 120 cadence and there's nothing more you can do and that's frustrating so um think about that as well all right so now you're you've done this test you've kind of put yourself in the hurt locker a little bit if you haven't done one in a while you might be coughing the rest of the day um that's normal but you got these three data points and then you dig into our spreadsheet and there's places where you enter those data points. Actually, you have four data points because your max heart rate is the other one. You want to try to identify that. So you want to likely what you have to do is upload your workout and go into Training Peaks and look at you know the laps that you took. Well, here's my 20-minute aerobic average power. Here's my four-minute average power, my one-minute, and whatever it says your the highest heart rate you saw in the workout. Um, and you'll enter those into the spreadsheet. Um, so our spreadsheet... Uh, let me pull it up here so I have it in front of me here. But it has some green boxes that you enter the those three power numbers, your max heart rate, and there's actually another one if you have a, the newest version of our spreadsheet um, where you can put weight and it'll figure out like watts per kilogram if you're interested in that as well in there. And so why are we doing all this test? And what's with the four and the one? Um, well, first of all, what's with the 20? 
I'm getting ahead of myself. What's with the 20? <laughs> so no, the that's 20 my minute, one. yeah, at aerobic, at 80% of max heart rate. Why do we do that? So we're testing. This is a very easy test. So you can do this. In fact, most of the time you're having to hold. In fact, every time you have to hold yourself back because you could go way harder. Mm-hmm. But that's not the point, right? So we're testing to see what kind of power we can average or produce at this 80% aerobic threshold heart rate. As long as our heart rate is in that same narrow window for every test, if our average power goes up, it's indicating our aerobic fitness has gone up, meaning we can hold more watts for longer duration, whatever those watts are, at whatever intensity, um, you have more endurance. And so that is a positive effect of training and ultimately perhaps the most important um, indication that the training you're doing is working for you. And if you ever see that number go down and you're in the middle of like a building training program, that's a red flag that something isn't right. Something isn't working for you. You know, you're not adapting to the training. Um, That's not to be confused with your numbers going down after you've sort of exited like a peak fitness and and gone into a different phase. Because over the course of the year, it will go up and down for sure. So... You just did a big training block, you've gotten fitter, you've tested, numbers going to go up. You finished the last race of your year, you took two weeks off and then did another couple of weeks of just fun riding with your family, your number's going to go down. Okay. That's normal. It's, all these numbers go up and down. Um, I mean, that's my favorite when you ask someone like, oh, what's your FTP? Because everyone's obsessed with FTP. Oh, it's, you know, 300. Oh, when did you last do your test? I was like two years ago. Like, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Um, I mean, our numbers are constantly changing. I mean, you could argue day to day they're they're changing, like based on your fatigue level and everything. So um, they definitely change. But the beauty part of this test is it is easy and you can repeat it as often as you really want. Um, I mean, we do every like six to eight weeks in general um, just to, to keep tabs on it because we want to see that it is going up when it's supposed to be going up. Um, otherwise, it's something's wrong and you got to figure out what's going on with that. Either you're not sleeping well or you're training too much or maybe not enough or something like that. Um, All right, so that's the deal with the 20-minute one. Now, one sort of roundabout way to roughly estimate an FTP, too, I've found over the years, um, is generally that number, that 20-minute aerobic threshold number, ends up around 15% maybe below your FTP. Now, super fit people will get closer so it might be more like closer to you know 10 or even 5%. You know, less aerobically fit people might be more like 20% or 25%. But as a rough estimate to kind of double check, about 15% or take that number and multiply by 1.15 and that'll get you around an FTP idea. But once you've done the one and four minute test, you can put those numbers True. into your spreadsheet and like you said double check right it's a great double check but yes exactly all right yeah, so this we'll, doesn't get you out of the one in the four minute right test. right <laughs> so the one in the four are hard and often you kind of dread have when they pop up on your training schedule it's like oh this is going to be painful but um they're so short just go do it yeah um so okay what's the deal with that so the concept, and this is the concept I learned back at the USA Triathlon um, coaching seminar way back when, is you're taking two durations, four minute and one minute, and figuring out the power, the work you can do, whether it's the speed running or swimming or the power on the bike, 
and you're figuring out this rate of decline from the one minute to the four minute that you are, your power is going down as the duration doubles, okay? Um, or in this case, quadruples. quadruples. But as long as it's a factor of two, so from one to two to four, mm-hmm. then you go eight, 16, 32, Yeah, we used 64. to do a two-minute Right, test. we used That's to do a two. Yeah. So we used to do a one-minute, a two-minute, and a four-minute, but mm-hmm. I've, we figured out that people were so gassed by the last, after doing two tests and they had to do a third, it kind of skewed the numbers a little bit, and we were getting really high fatigue rates. Um, <clears throat> so we picked the one and the four. So as long as it's a factor of, of a doubling sequence there um the, it's all built in it's, it's some sort of logarithmic equation that's way over my head um that figures <laughs> out this fatigue rate that's plugged into the excel spreadsheet um for the data geeks in there that get the spreadsheet i think you can pull that exact equation out um of it somehow but why would you do that i don't know um all right, so it's figuring out how your power is declining. And so that percentage of decline stays relatively consistent across these doubling durations, like I said. So from four minutes to eight minutes, eight minutes to 16, to 32 minutes, to 64 minutes, and so on. And you can kind of estimate or calculate what sort of power or speed you could go for these distances way out in the future um, or way out on the timeline there. So it's a really interesting way to figure out, get an idea of like the the relationship between your anaerobic power and your maximum aerobic power, the one and the four. And it gives you an idea of like, one, what kind of athlete are you in that moment, right? So if you have a really high fatigue rate, you're generally more of a speed, power, strength athlete. Like you can go really hard, really fast. And, but as durations extend, you're going to really start to peter out and not be that impressive when you get out to that 32 or 64 minute power, right? Which is where your FTP kind of lands. On the flip side, if maybe you're not particularly like powerful and not have that impressive of a one minute power, that's me, but you have a pretty good in relationship to the one minute, four minute power, max aerobic power, and you end up with this low fatigue rate, it means you're going to lose less power as those durations go out longer. So your 64-minute power is going to end up quite a bit higher than maybe someone else who's way more powerful than you but has a higher fatigue rate. And their 64-minute power, by the time you extrapolate it out there, is going to be lower than yours. So it's the concept of like the race car and the diesel truck. Um, Or the tortoise and the hare. Or the tortoise and the hare, exactly. Um, so a lot of us kind of have an idea of what sort of athlete we are. If it's we're sprint speed power, you know, if we played football or soccer or things like that in our youth, you're usually that way. Swimmers, if you were a runner or a cyclist or some sort of endurance hiker or something, um, then you're probably more of the diesel engine. Not always, but often. Yeah. We're there's drawn some, to the sports. That well, we're there's some great at, areas so. there because I was a runner. That was my first sport. But I ran the 400, 800, right, and yeah. 1600. And, and actually... I end up. I have a high fatigue rate. The last two tests that I I did were eight percent fatigue rate. Right. Because I can put out some pretty good power for that one minute, but it does lessen as it as the time extends. Right. Right. So I'm working on my endurance. Right. So you need to work on your endurance. So what's really interesting is when you identify this percentage, you get an idea of what sort of athlete you are, but also what sort of condition you're in. So my fatigue rate, your fatigue rate will change throughout the year also, right? So when we're in a, 
not so much of an endurance phase or early on in, in, in a training season and maybe we're lifting a lot of weights and stuff, we're probably our fatigue rate is going to be a little bigger because we're stronger at this point, right? Like we've maybe given up some endurance in favor of some strength. If we're doing a lot of like short high intensity intervals, same kind of deal. But if we're starting to do more long rides and things of that nature, then it kind of can shift. So you, it's an interesting way to manipulate it. And it can be a little confusing for people when they see like their test results go up and their those extrapolated numbers out to FTP go down. You know, it's weird, but and we'll talk about that in, in the end um, of the show. But you know, your fatigue rate also changes as do all your your numbers. Um, so it's a kind of a, a fun, interesting concept. So not too dissimilar from the 4DP test we talked about. Um, the horrible one? Yeah, the horrible one that Sufferfest does. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> the one I wouldn't want to put myself through. Um, <coughs> no, it, I would love to hear people talk about it. And yeah. I don't know if I can make myself do it, but it, it's sort of fascinating. Right. But that test does something similar and then it identifies like, are you a sprinter? Are you right. a time trialist? Are you, you know, the, the puncher or whatever? So similar kind of concept, which is pretty cool. Um, so the last thing too, well, let's get into our spreadsheet real quick. Um, this may not make sense to a lot of people if you aren't familiar with it, but it spits out numbers for your high-intensity aerobic training, which is where we train primarily on power, and we watch how our heart rate responds to the power or the work that we're doing. So that's all of our like um, anaerobic threshold, lactate threshold intervals up, VO2 intervals, anaerobic power intervals. So basically our intervals that are like 16 minutes or shorter, very high power, um, we're, we're targeting a specific power range and then watching what our heart rate does. And it gives you specific ranges, and those ranges correspond to those doubling durations that we talked about that relate to the fatigue rate. So one to four minute power is your anaerobic power. That's that range. So that's kind of the top end zone. Then you've got your VO2. That's your eight to 16 minute power window, okay? Then you've got 32 to 64 minute power, what kind of power you can hold in there. That's your anaerobic threshold. That's also where your FTP number lies inside there. Um, then you go out from there to, you can kind of estimate a sweet spot uh, level, which is your fatigue rate percentage below your FTP. Um, so somewhere between four and eight, nine percent below FTP is roughly where a sweet spot is. Go out to aerobic threshold for our long aerobic threshold intervals. Now, when we start getting into aerobic threshold and aerobic endurance that's more that's our what we call our low intensity aerobic training and that's where we prefer to actually train by heart rate rather than power so it flips so we focus on a certain heart rate range and then we just keep an eye on power where that's at as opposed to the high intensity where we try to train by power and keep an eye on heart rate how our body's responding it's the opposite with the low intensity stuff so the spreadsheet kind of spits out all those numbers for you to uh have for your training targets that's really helpful like when it's time to go do a certain like vo2 max workout i just pull up my spreadsheet and go oh that's the number i need to target right i just have to remember one or two numbers for that workout and walk out the door right right exactly and then what's fun is you do these tests every couple of months um it'll chart uh, on the on the thing it has a graph that'll chart all those numbers going up hopefully um as opposed to going down 
and um, you can see your progress of your fitness improving as you go. Um, cool. So that kind of leads into like, what are our training objectives? You know, wh why do we train? What are we looking for? Simply put, you know, we want to see all of our numbers, our 20 minute aerobic, our four minute and one minute top end go up as we test throughout the season. And then we expect it to come down and be lower that first test of coming off of the like off season. But you want to see all those numbers going up while you're building through your season because that means you've adapted to the training or exactly. you are adapting to the training. Exactly. That's like the green light that like you're doing training, your body's absorbing and responding to that training in the, in the fashion that it can now do more work. It can do more power at these different intensity levels. Yeah. We had like one of the kids on the We Race team a few months ago, he did the test and his numbers were down when they should have been up and we had to have a kind of a serious talk with him like you're overtraining you're riding too many miles you need to cool your jets kid right right because that was an indicator that he was definitely not absorbing the training right right and he turned it to his credit he turned it around he you know backed off the training a little bit kept really specific and kept training but just we kind of filtered out some of the not important right parts. the junk miles Basically, yeah, and sure enough, his numbers went up the next time he tested. So, um, so that's a great way, and that's why it's, in my opinion, so important to test frequently. I mean, I hear some coaches out there and podcasts and things that like they'll test like at the beginning of the the base training season and maybe the end of the base training season, like twice in a year, and like that's it. Okay, and it's but like, I just said at the beginning I haven't tested in three months, and you're like, no, it doesn't matter. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough but fair enough but as not. we're training we are also targeting so we're, we're we're doing our intervals right now based off of heart rate and we're looking for we're, we're identifying our power numbers going up or staying the same for longer durations in the trainings that we're doing right now indicating you're doing well so that goes back to like a training session if you know you're supposed to hit this heart rate if it's an endurance session and your power is 20 watts below what it should be, red flag. Same idea. Um, so that's why we haven't tested you. <laughs> because I'm doing well in my training. Yeah, because we have identified an, another way to identify okay. that. All right, well, I don't want to be a chicken shit. I'll do the, tra the test if you want me to. <laughs> no, no, we'll do it um, after the next training block. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can do it if you want to do it. There's nothing Maybe else. I will. <laughs> um, so that that is the main training objective. Now your numbers don't always like go up at the, like the three numbers don't always go up like in the same increment or percentage, um, as each other. That's normal. That has to do with, that's what's going to affect your fatigue rate. Mm -hmm. Um, so one, one objective in the training and testing is that like you identify your fatigue rate and let's say it's on the higher side, like 8%, then your goal would be to perhaps train and focus a little more specifically or prioritize your like strength training, your speed power workouts. No, isn't it the opposite? If my fatigue rate's... Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. If your fatigue rate's on the higher side, 8%, then you'd want to focus more on the aerobic conditioning, the endurance, to potentially bring improve your four-minute power and lower that fatigue rate a tad, and that'll bump up your powers further out in the in that time range you know 16 32 64 minute power and so on and then vice versa like i usually have a fairly low fatigue rate i'm more of a diesel engine i can't sprint out of a wet paper bag so 
and it's reflected in the sense that I'm not particularly strong. Like weightlifting, I don't lift a whole lot of impressive weight, but I can hold power. My fatigue rate's low where I don't slow down that much over longer durations. But you're saying you could really benefit. Does your body respond well when you do the high-intensity work, like VO2 max? It does, yeah. yeah. It responds well, and the strength training like helps bring that fatigue rate, increase that fatigue rate. And basically, so basically what you're looking at is, think of it in this respect. So strength training is the top of the the ladder, so to speak. It's like your starting point of your potential to move, to produce power. So how much you can deadlift and back squat one time is the starting point. Then you go to, you take a step down, you get on the bike and it's your peak sprint so someone who can you know some people can sprint 2,000 watts some people can barely you know I I can barely break a thousand watts in a sprint and that's like the the second level down right and so the person that can sprint 2,000 watts and lift you know heavy weights generally they go together yeah for sure you ask them to go hard for an hour and their power drops from 2,000 watts to 175 watts. But my 1,000-watt sprint on a good day drops maybe to 325 watts. Right, so hour. if you guys were cycling around a track and the race was you have to cycle 10 times, they may be way ahead of you for the first couple laps, and then you'd like creep back up on them, and then you'd be way ahead of them yeah, by the end. Yeah, three hours in, I'd be a couple yeah. miles ahead, right? Yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> crazy exactly. to visualize it like that yeah and and we saw this with that's this is the cool part i think is that we saw this in running many years back when we were coaching triathletes and doing triathlons ourselves we had a good friend amazing swimmer very strong yeah, athlete could so squat strong. and deadlift ton, like twice as much weight as me and as i as I, mean, I as i and you know we'd go do this test on the track and back then we'd do a um what do we do a 400 and a 800 i think to figure out the um, or we did a 400 and a mile, I think. I can't oh remember. Oh my God. No, I thought it was a 100, 200, 400. I don't think it was ever a oh. 100. <laughs> okay. That's how long ago our trial <laughs> Yeah, it was a long time ago. Anyway, he had, he was strong. He was powerful. He was fast. He was he really fast. a very high fatigue rate. Yeah. It was like 12% or something. I was not particularly strong. I definitely was not fast for a 400, but I had a low fatigue rate. And so he would could blow me out of the water up to eight, you know, well, certainly in a 400. By yeah, the 800, because yeah. his fatigue rate was so high, I was at, we actually had pretty similar 800s. And then by the mile, um, I was way like ahead way ahead. I was like way ahead of him. And then extrapolate that out to a 5K, 10K, whatever. Yeah, that's I'd be wild. Way ahead, right? So that it's all starting at, you know, there's the top of the ladder and then you extend outwards and how much you slow down is the key and that's the holy grail you want those numbers to go up but it's really about manipulating that fatigue rate and getting it lower and lower and lower Um, meaning you've developed your endurance and now you can hold you know more power for more time whether it's 16 minutes or 32 minutes or for five hours or or you know eight hours at leadville or whatever um it all is interconnected. And if you improve one end, it, they're all interconnected in that sense as well. So you can come come at it from different angles. You can do a lot of high-intensity training and weightlifting. You're going to bump numbers up. You know, 
power might go up across the board, but it's about balancing out that fatigue rate that ultimately is the goal. And this is something you can pursue your entire life, which is kind of fun too. If you're invested in... Well, it takes a long time. I mean, you think of all the different ways you have to target your training with the short intervals, the long intervals, the medium intervals, strength training. It's like, oh my gosh, how many weeks are in the year? Right. And that's why you have to periodize your training. And that's what the basis of our whole training plans and everything is, you know, you do specific work at specific times of the year. And, you know, there's a specific point when we focus heavily on strength training and, and that. And there's a point where we focus on the endurance training and the high intensity training. and It all kind of comes together to maximize your fatigue rate for your event too. That's the other thing is that, you know, someone training for Leadville is going to want a little different fatigue rate, someone training for like the crit state championships or cyclocross or something like that. So, um, it's yeah, that's, that's cool. good stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, I know we wanted to touch on a few common situations, like common Q's and A's that happen after someone tries our testing methods. Yeah. So let's just touch on that before we wrap this okay, up. Okay, I like it. Um, yeah, I think there's three common scenarios that I get questions all the time when people are following our tests. The first one, I guess, is like, you know, what if I test and my numbers don't go up from the previous test? Um I think we touched on this already a little bit, but what would you say? Um, it well, kind of depends. Like when I tested like uh, the end of August, my numbers were high, and then I had my off season break, mm-hmm. and then just my fun, easy riding and right. lots of pickleball. <laughs> Take a shot, Darren. So when I retested two months later, my numbers were a little bit lower, but that was to be expected. Right. And important. And important. For the time of the year. You have right. to have your numbers come down at some point in the year so they right. can go up and hopefully And it actually higher. took off some of the pressure of taking doing the test because I didn't have these expectations that I was going to be knocking out of the park. Right. I was just trying to set sort of like a new standard for like the ramp up of this year's base builder program. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but if, yeah, maybe we are repeating ourselves now, but if you retest in the middle of a pretty serious block and, and there's no improvement, then really look at like all aspects of your life. Um, right. I'd look first to your sleep. That might be the, that's the, probably, that's the, probably the problem. One, yeah. Like if you are getting inefficient, sleep every night your body just doesn't have a chance to recover you have to recover and absorb the training for sure um now say well i I was going to jump into my my test thing but maybe you want to do the other one first well yeah so along so if your numbers don't go up too it's like also look at you know maybe you just finished a big training block did you give yourself enough days to recover Mm. before you did the test so it's almost always why our tests are like Fridays and Saturdays, um, you know, later in a recovery week. So you right. recover. That's so make, a good point. Yeah, make sure you do that. Um, and if they're not going up and you're in the middle of a block, like like you said, like that's a red flag and you need to sit down and figure that out, you know, with yourself or, or a coach or somebody talk it through. And um, because if you're training hard and absorbing the trainer, so if you're training the appropriate amount, I should say, and you're able to absorb the training then those numbers should be going up. And if it, they don't, um, it's usually you're not sleeping or recovering well enough or maybe you're training too much. Right. Um, or a combination of both. Yeah. So what if someone's numbers do go up in all three aspe- aspects of the test, but then their FTP goes down? 
Right. That's probably the most common. That's the most common one and for sure. It is confusing and it can be so frustrating. Right. So, in fact, we just got an email question yesterday from a guy um, doing a second test, and he's like, "The good news is my numbers are way up." And I, I think I jotted him down. Yeah, he's like, tell him my twenty-minute power was up twenty-six watts. Like that's, that's amazing. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. My four-minute power was up nine watts. You know, not a huge number, but it's up nonetheless. I'll take I'll take nine watts. And my one-minute power was up fifty watts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And but. You extrapolate it out in the spreadsheet, and his FTP number, his 64-minute power, went down. <laughs> now, he was smart enough to recognize uh, yeah. it's because his fatigue rate changed, right? Things went up, but his four-minute went up a little bit relative to his one-minute that went up a lot. And so his fatigue rate went up about 2.5% from around 4%, which is rather low, to 6.5%, which is more kind of in that normal range to be expected but his ftp extrapolated out went down 13 watts um and so he was just like looking for a little bit of a explanation or why what's going on there and he also wanted to know if he should adjust his ftp in training peaks to reflect this data right right so so what'd you tell him so yeah looking at looking at all those numbers so it's like a puzzle right and you're trying to figure out it's like a mystery you're trying to solve so Numbers are up. We got a substantial amount in the aerobic power, 26 watts for 20-minute aerobic power. That's a, that's a big increase. So that tells me, like, okay, you're, the training is going well because that's a nice increase. You're recovering mm-hmm. well. It's, it's, it's all positive. All right, four-minute went up a little. One-minute went up a lot. Fatigue rate goes up, so your FTP goes down. So my conclusion was, or my thought was, and I wrote him back and said, you know, it sounds like looking at this, you know, your four minute went up a little bit and your one minute went up a ton and your original fatigue rate of around 4% on your first test is pretty low, you know, like abnormally low, abnormally low. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it before, but it's definitely on the very low end of low um, percentage. I would say six to around 6% is the balance point between and so anything over 8%, I would consider on the high end, and anything below like 5%, I'd consider on the low end. So 6 to 7% is kind of the, the sweet spot in most cases. Um, and so 4%. So what I thought was like, hey, prob- this, this is probably what happened. This is your first time doing the test. It sounds like you just underperformed in your first one-minute test on the, right, right. You know, in the, the first time you did it through because – one, to see a 50-watt increase is a pretty big watt increase. Well, so, especially when you're not doing like the high-intensity training yeah, yet. Yeah, we're doing some strength training, but not any of the high-intensity training. So, yeah, it sounds like you probably went super hard in the four-minute, were a little gassed for the one-minute, or maybe you didn't recover enough between the four and the one, or whatever, but you left a little on the table and had sort of a artificially low one-minute. In the first test. In the first test. And that's why you saw such a big improvement in the second test because you figured out the pacing maybe a little bit better Mm -hmm. your second time through. Now, the second test with the 6.5% fatigue rate sounded more reasonable, more something I would expect. So I would say that, like, go with the new FTP, even though it's lower, suck in your, like, ego or whatever, and just go with it. And that's probably what it actually is. Um, I forget the number, he said, because I always... The real like, um, I forget what the 
when you call someone like the test of truth or whatever I forget the term Mm-mm. but you you want to figure it out like I because I get this all the time well the FTP you know I think it's higher than you know what your spreadsheet is like well okay so if I said go hold this this number oh right you say this is Sophia all the time for one hour what's that going to feel like can you do that and if you hesitate at all it's probably too high. Like, <laughs> I mean, you should look at it like these calculated FTPs and be like, hold that for an hour. You should be like, I don't know. Like, I guess if I was rested and super motivated, like a race or something, like or like a big prize purse or something, I could probably do it, right? And it would be like, because the idea is that's maximal effort for one hour. I mean, that's that's hard. Um, so that's the other litmus test. Oh, oh that's yes, the word I'm sorry. So that's the mind. other, like, uh, you know, ask yourself, can you hold this? You know, does that seem realistic? Yeah, have a reality check, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> um, and maybe you're so new to it, you, you have no idea. But Oh, um, I didn't mean to him. <laughs> no, I know. No, but <laughs> Just people in general with their FTP. Yeah, the more experienced you are, you get a, you know what right. 300 watts for an hour feels like kind of thing. So, um yeah, but that was, I was glad he wrote in. I, hopefully that clarifies it because it is confusing when you see your numbers go up but your FTP goes down. Right. But you just have to think of it as this percentage fatigue rate. You're going down this like line, this power yeah, path. Yeah, curve. And it's the ratio between the one minute and four minute. So if your four minute goes, improves you know, significantly more than your one minute. Mm-hmm then your fatigue rate is going to go lower and your numbers further out on the scale, further durations will go up. If your one minute really improves relative to your four minute, then your fatigue rate is going to go up and therefore your numbers further out in duration are going to go down. Okay. And it is possible for all the numbers to go up, but that ratio just changes slightly. Like a half of a percent even makes difference when you go you know, 64 minutes out there. So. Well, in my case, um, in the fall, when I had a test two months out, I did the test right at the end of peak fitness. Um, my fatigue rate was 8%. My FTP calculated out to 201. And then when I did the test two months later, my one minute, four minute went down just a little bit, mm-hmm. but my FTP was only decreased to 200. Right. Because... So basically the same. It stayed the same. Yeah. Your numbers actually went down. So that's the third scenario. Right. Your numbers actually go down a little bit, but your FTP stays the same, or in rare cases, it can actually go up. But it's the ratio right. of the two and what that fatigue rate is. So, And a big red flag or caveat is, like, did you test accurately? You know, like, We probably should have said that from the beginning. Right, right. Because that's the other big thing, especially if you're new to this, like, you, maybe you just botched one of them or something, you know, like that does happen. And you just have to be realistic with yourself. Like, do you feel like that's a fair representation of a four-minute all-out effort and mm-hmm. same for one minute? Yes, then okay, then you're probably pretty good. But sometimes you know, like, oh, the last 10 seconds of the one minute, my foot slipped out of the pedals. And, you know, sure, you finished it, but you probably lost some watts or something. Right. Or or I had to break to avoid a rabbit running across the street or something. You know, again, let's do these on the trainer. It's a good way to do it. But, um, yeah, so make sure your testing is accurate. You know, your data is only as good as the, the test or, you know, your execution of the test. So, And it does take skill and practice. But there is that rare occasion where numbers can go down a tad. The ratio changes in the favor of a lower fatigue rate and your FTP actually goes up. It's usually not by much, but... Um, 
it can happen. Um, so those are just some different examples of it. So the more tests you do, you'll figure out the pacing. You'll kind of figure out like what's what are good quality tests uh, efforts, and then the accuracy, in my opinion, like really polishes itself if you once you've got like three, four, five of these tests under your belt. So uh, well, my takeaway from our conversation is the the angle of using the testing to make sure your body's adapting to the training. Oh, that might be the most important point, I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it so clearly like that. Yeah, because you can, you can, once you've done this for a while, you can estimate pretty accurately just from your interval efforts, you know, heart rate and power. Um, That's why I bang my head, you know, figuratively against the wall when I see people that like only train with power. And they choose not to use heart rate. Okay, attention everyone. Get on Cody's getting box. on a soapbox. Yeah. It's like, why would you do that? Like, you're leaving so much data and information on the table. Like, the two go hand in hand. You're, you know, some people are like, power is power and heart rate doesn't matter because, you know, your hydration and your sleep and your elevation and temperature, all these things affect it. Well, yeah, but your heart rate is the measure of how hard it is to accomplish the work, the power that you're doing on your body. That's so why when it's it. yeah when it's hot out your heart rate's higher because it's harder to produce those watts, you know. And same with like if you didn't sleep mm-hmm. well or you're dehydrated, it all is interconnected. Your altitude it changes. Like it's so important to have the two together. And if you have the two together all the time, you begin to recognize also improvements. Like if you're doing the same power for your you know eight minute you know lactate threshold intervals, and your heart rate is three or four beats lower than it's been in the previous weeks and you feel good, it's probably because you've gotten fitter and you can see that by the numbers. Yeah, that's, that is actually very encouraging. Yeah. Or, or you've just gone down in elevation from Denver to Phoenix. Yeah, but then you see more power <laughs> yeah. at the same heart rate. Yeah, so they're all so interconnected. So. You know, I really appreciated Toby texting us yesterday. Toby's one of the kids on our We Race team. Mm-hmm. He was trying to do a aerobic threshold interval workout, and yeah. he noticed a huge drop in his uh, right. power output. So he was training by heart rate. He was training and by heart rate. reference power for our lower intensity aerobic stuff. Yep. And it was dramatic. He said that <clears throat> he texted, and I just called him because I knew he was trying to figure this out in the middle of his workout. And he was like 50 to 60 watts yeah. off. And basically we just said, yeah, pull the plug on the workout. Something's going on. Right. We don't know what it is. We ran through like sleep, water, stress from school. And we're like, we're not sure, but let's just stop. Try again on Sunday. Right. And it was good he had the data. And he, he just, you know, it's better just not to dig the hole then. Yeah, because had he not had a heart rate monitor and it was just training by power, he probably, I'm sure he could have pushed himself to hit the power target, but it had been way too much stress. You know, it would have been well beyond the intended stress of the workout from right. an aerobic standpoint to hit the power, but he could have, digging the hole deeper. Or on the other side, had he not had a power meter and just a heart rate, he could have held the power, he could have held his heart rate where it should have been, not seen that the power was lower and missed that kind of like red flag of what's going on here. And again, not getting the intended points of the workout and, and again, digging like the hole a little bit deeper. Right. So yeah, it's so important to use both. And I, it's funny. I, so I'll get off my soapbox, but it, it's just so silly. Like why would <laughs> well, you? Well, we could 
you know, duke this out in, <laughs> in further episodes because we probably will. Yeah, use both because um, together you use get both. So I, much actually, more. we wouldn't be duking it out because we believe the same thing. <laughs> right, right. Okay, should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, feel free to send questions because this is a, a popular topic, oftentimes, but also a little confusing. Um, and I, I don't mind um, sharing advice. Or if you're following one of our plans or training programs or base builder or whatever, and you know you're retesting and something looks funky, like just shoot us an email. Yeah, I thought it was cool. That guy Alex sent you an email. Yeah, for sure. So. All right. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. If you are enjoying the show, leave us a rating and review. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one.